I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you Shots. like. What a stop! Shots from Ben! Oh! Oh! Jordan Ben! Yes! Jordan Henderson! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been... We're, be- we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something... We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Hello and welcome to the Friday Football Podcast with me, Kevin Kilban. I am delighted this week that I'm back in studio. I am joined today by uh, commentator extraordinaire Dave McIntyre. Hello, Dave. Hello there. How are you doing? Yeah, good. And... Uh, and the commentator, Nathan Murphy. Hello, Nathan. How are you doing? Oh, great to be here. Cutting. Unfair. Very Unprovoked unfair. and absolutely unnecessary. No, he's I don't getting... know if it was unprovoked. No, it's not. He's getting... <laughs> no, I, I do say. You do know. I give him a lot of credit. He's getting, he's getting very good, Dave. He's, he's catching you. He's I, catching I, I, you I, you're uh, commentating together uh, this weekend. We are, at, yeah. At Burnley, Burnley, Chelsea. And myself and Kevin have done the last few games. I'd just beware, Dave. Be very wary of this man now. He's become extremely patronising in the commentary How's box. How's he now? Yeah. He's How, beginning to think of himself as a bit of a big deal. Yeah. How and turning into a bit of a diva. <laughs> How and why? Yeah, I thought you were just very patronising when we were at the Etihad last weekend. No, I just dropped a few little comments on you, and sometimes they're needed. Sometimes you, you come out with some things that just needed to need to be addressed, and I, and I just addressed those issues. That like, I if it was anybody else that said to you, you know a lot about the game. You take them at face value, but his tone suggested <laughs> he didn't really believe that. Like, like Eddie that, Jones calling me mate. Yeah, I have a hunch he doesn't quite mean that. Yeah, that was a good interview as well. Actually, that was very good, Dave. Very good. Oh, good old Eddie. Right, Thanks, where, where do we start this week? I, I want to. I want to look to the top. We'll probably go to the top of the Premier League in a bit. But I just think over the last few weeks, the bottom of the Premier League. We've not really talked about it in any of the shows, but it's just got a whole lot interesting. Particularly last weekend, Sunderland getting a great result. Even Nathan and I say we were at Man City last week. Swans in the second half probably showed us that they've got a lot that they've got a lot about them. And I just think now you're looking up as far as um, as far as Bournemouth, as far as Middlesbrough, with the trouble that they're in, not necessarily in the greatest of form themselves. And then, of course, Leicester, who you know themselves, we know how, how they've been. So I just want to have a bit of a chat about these. And, and I think where's your cut off when you're talking about the relegations? Crap, right now, well, where is your cut-off? Well, you're looking at Southampton. Southampton on 27 points. They're only a point ahead of Bournemouth. But I'm looking at Bournemouth just with the form that they're in, not necessarily playing well. And it's just it's just something that gets into my head that can they turn it around? I think they will. I think Bournemouth will be OK, I do. But I am looking up as far as Bournemouth at the moment. I, I, what I'll do, I'll probably go bottom up at the moment. I'll start with Sunderland. I think that's probably the way to, the way to go about this because just the form that they're in, with that 4-0 win last week, with Jermaine, Jermaine Defoe, and we spoke about this regularly, I suppose, over the last year or so, particularly with uh, with last season, how it went for him personally. But Sunderland, that, that, that win last week, do you think that changes anything, Dave, with, with Sunderland with that big win down at Palace last week? I don't know. I have a feeling that that result was an outlier, that Sunderland were so desperately bad in the month before that mm. and never looked remotely close to getting a result in any of their games that... To go to Palace and before but half time is just this one off against a team that are clearly treading water and sinking, now beginning to sink under Sam Allardyce. So I don't know, I need a I need a larger sample size to do, right. to decide whether or not I think Sunderland are in the same boat that where I would now consider Hull and Swansea. For example, every time I've seen Hull and Swansea over the last month, they've looked like they're either going to have got a result or look like they're close to getting one. Yeah. So I, th- I need to see Sunderland back that up. So right now I'm I'm sitting on the fence on Sunderland whether or not I th- think what, they can get out of it. What about the signings that they made there? What about the bringing Darren Gibson? In? I know maybe is Darren Gibson the man you want in a relegation fight? He's Oviedo. there's nothing of his career that suggests that he is. Oviedo maybe has the motivation to come and try and revitalise himself and feels he should be playing. At a higher level. I like Oviedo. He was brilliant until he broke his leg. I, I think it's great business for Sunderland. Getting rid of Van Arnold for fourteen million and bringing him in potentially was it three and a half? I think they paid for him seven million for the for the two him and Gibson going in Oviedo. I think I think that's great business from David Moyes. Gibson's played so little football yeah, though. Is he yeah. the kind of guy that's going to come in and make a big difference given what has happened to him over the last two and a half years? But he's got the ability, but I I'm probably Nathan a little bit that he's not You've not seen him in this relegation scrap, but you never know the character on players until they're in in that position. We've seen it. We've seen it with others others over the last few years. 
John O'Shea would be another one. First to probably admit he's played at he's played at United his whole career, and all of a sudden then he's thrust into Sunderland and he stood up to be counted when he's been in these relegation battles. So you'd hope he'd be in in, in the same boat, really. Was it la- last season that Dick Avrakar kept them up? It yeah, was, wasn't it? Yeah. After that one. I think O'Shea. No, it was Allardyce last season. Allardyce last season. Avocado the year before. before After yeah. the Avocado season, O'Shea said that was the greatest achievement of his career. That that Sunderland staying up that season, given yeah. the position from where they had to come, was better than what Manchester United were achieving in the, at their peak. Yeah, it was an incredible run of games, then, wasn't it? Well, yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm probably with you a little bit on that, Dave, to an extent, to say, yeah, we probably need to that watch was them over one the last game. few weeks. Yeah, and I'm probably. And, the good aunt of Palace who are struggling, supporters are on their back. I'll move on to Palace maybe on that one anyway. Palace themselves, it doesn't seem to be working for Sam Allardyce at the moment, does it? They he's had no positive impact at all. No. He's had the same problem Alan Pardew's had in that he doesn't seem to know what his best attacking formation is and they spent quite a bit of money. He clearly has a striker in Benteke who, if you get him the service, yeah. is going to score goals and who can bully a defence if he's really in the mood for it. But it's the three, four players behind just hasn't worked. Townsend has been a really poor buy, has, hasn't contributed to anything. Zaha, I know people who watch Palace all the time say he's having a really good season, that maybe he's not getting enough credit. But is he linking up as you would want with Benteke? Is he providing enough crosses? Anytime I see him, he overuses the ball. He yeah. takes that little one step over two man instead of flinging the ball in there quickly. Goodbye was a big disappointment this season. Joe and Ledley looks desperately short on confidence. Yeah. MacArthur, like all of those players last season at times looked brilliant yeah. looked really motivated but they seem to be looking around what's happening at Palace and going it's a strange it's one with, working. With, with Townsend I thought that was strange that all of a sudden Newcastle wanted to buy him back there was talk of Benitez walking away from Newcastle over this Townsend deal not being done I couldn't work it out that what is the attraction of Andros Townsend well I, I can't ever recall being impressed by anything he's done on a football pitch he's probably one of those players that you, you just said to me about Sunderland before Sunderland I'll have to watch them over a few weeks to we've see. been watching them for years but now. I'm lucky exactly I'm saying, I, I see Townsend sometimes and he's that player that that can spark a game. He has a, he has an influence in a short spell. He might score one and create one, and then you might not see him for three games. You yeah. might not even see him for the, for the next eighty five minutes. He of is that capable game. of sticking one at the top corner after beating one player, and it yeah. just sits up and maybe bobbles up, and he hits it on the half volley, and you will not see him again yeah. for a month. But what's the appeal at, at fifteen million, whatever it would be to take to take to get him? Well, in there? he'd be a very he'd be the best player in the championship. And getting you back out of the championship gets you into the Premier League where you're guaranteed your hundred million and he's probably into the same cycle again of not playing every game next season for Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think when I look at Palace and you look at the bottom four in particular, Swansea, Hull, Palace and Sunderland. Swansea Hull Sunderland you would expect to be in and around this position. This is where they should be yeah. when you look at the talent in their squad. Palace are the ones that are massively underachieving. So is it as much to do with the manager? So if we've seen with Swansea and Hull, a new manager comes in, he can motivate the players. We've seen at Palace, you can't. Pardew hasn't been able to do it for the last 18 yeah. months. Allardyce isn't able to do it. So what gives? It's up to the players themselves. Somebody I, in that dressing room. Well, I'd have one question for you. I, I think you could well be right. but And I don't know the answer to this question. You two might maybe have a, a, a better answer on it. It's the first time that Allardyce has had to come in to one of these relegation fights where he's being hailed as the Messiah by whichever chairperson has brought him in. And every, on every occasion to this point, he's succeeded. This is the first time he's come in off the back of like a huge disappointment. I wonder, has his appetite for it, his ability to drag teams up and his record of never having been relegated, has been damaged by the England situation? So he's taken this job, probably the first job that was offered to him, and he just hasn't got the same spark that he had before he got the job of his dreams and then had it taken from him. And I think probably out of, say, the bottom six teams, and if I'm going from Middlesbrough downwards, that would probably, the Palace job, be the most appealing one. Being in London, we speak about London. I know that he enjoyed his time at West Ham. I know that he liked his spell in London. So out of those sides, the sides that's realistically going to take him in this position, Palace is probably the most appealing to him just with its location, all these sort of things taken into it. And the players, I think probably look at the playing squads. But look at the bench Palace had Leicester against Sunderland. Like the be- we were talking about this last Saturday. The wage bill of the Palace bench yeah. last Saturday. So Friars, who's a young player, probably not in huge money. Sacco, Flamini, yeah. Ledley, Remy, Townsend. Yeah, massive. All on 50 grand a week. Massive money. Minimum. Massive money. That And, and that affects you as well when you're coming in these relegation scraps let's be honest now the, the Premier League players are all well paid they are mm. but 
But that, he's coming that, in. But that point is right, though. It is. The clubs start to get that panic up, knowing full well that they're paying lads in excess of 40, 50 yeah. grand a week. Swansea, a lot of the players that's on that bench for Swansea will not be on that money. I guarantee that. I know that Hull City's players won't be. Sunderland's maybe to an extent will be. And Middlesbrough's probably won't be. That's there or thereabouts as well. Leicester, certainly, we know that their wage bill's gone way above it all anyway. But, but you know when you make Steve a move Paris- in your career and, and it's a huge step up and he would have always have dreamt of this job. And then he comes back and it's not like he's been picked up by a squad that are going places, a club that's going to be playing European football. Maybe he gets to see uh, what it's like on the other side where you've got a club that's got plenty of money to spend and have real aspirations. He's going back to the same place he always ended up in. The same type of a club, squad completely low on So you're saying he's scarred. I just wonder if he just found himself on the training pitch on day one after where he'd come from with England and just gone, here I am again. Here I am, the so same he feels now situation. he's in a, in a shit cycle of exactly. what is the best I can now achieve in my career. Exactly. So I do well at Palace. Maybe I'll get a mid-table job in two years' time again. And maybe then I might get a slightly higher... But that's as far as it's ever yeah. going to go. Now you'll never again get the opportunity to do what he might have done. League league club, oh, I understand that. He's been doing it for 20 he's years. He's turning up every morning. I just wonder, has he got yeah. what it takes oh, in I within so. him, in his deep within his gut anymore? to do what needs to be done with Palace in the way that he did it at Sunderland. and It's a great point, that. I never even thought of it like that, Dave. I thought, honestly, I didn't. Like on a human I, level, like? Yeah, I never thought of that. And maybe there'll be a lot of psychological effects with him from that England, um, or the, the England job, how it went wrong. We know he, he was desperate for that job through his whole career. I know that myself. But Would the players yeah. pick up on that as well? Like, this guy clearly, we're, this is clearly his second option. Like, he doesn't really want to be here. He wants to be preparing for England's next qualifier. Yeah, but I just don't think he had any other options. That's me, me, me pointing that. There was nowhere else. He, he wants to get back into management. He wants to get back doing the thing that he loves. There are very few options for him in the Premier League halfway down. So, I'm talking but about... The, why is he getting back in, I guess, is the point as well. Mm. So, the reason up to now of getting into management is because it's what he loved, it's what he was good at, and he had an ambition to manage a team in and around the Champions League or at the Ultimate get the England job he gets the England job it ends in embarrassment in humiliation yeah. his reputation is damaged for the rest of his life it's the first thing no matter what he achieves in the club game that is always going to come mm. up about Sam Allardyce had to resign in disgrace and now he's going into this and he's basically taking the job because it's all he knows it's not with mm. any great motivation t- for his reputation because he knows no matter what he does well, it's damaged. Look, yeah. it's a hard one. We don't know. Obviously. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's 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 a tricky one again. Nathan said at the top of this, really, the, the chap here that he's not had that impact. He's not necessarily had the effect on the side that we expect of Sam Allardyce as a coach, as a manager, to actually have on the team. And even it? more stark when you compare it to Silva and to Clement. Yeah, well, you their look impact at the, has been immediate. Look Clement, at the goals yeah. conceded, uh, and Swansea and Hull have conceded the most goals in the Premier League this season. But you look again at that bottom six. Mm. And they're probably the most structurally sound now yeah. over the past month. Yeah. You look at Swansea and Hull and you don't see them getting battered yeah. by teams anymore. The two managers have come in with more or less the same players, have strengthened them defensively, have changed their system slightly. Whereas you can see Sunderland getting whipped a few times this season yeah. still. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd probably agree with that on Sunderland. I, I wouldn't necessarily take that 4-0 win last week, as Dave's maybe said before, as something, yeah, we, we, we're safe now, we're, we're going to be fine, we're going to score goals and we're not going to concede goals. Yeah, they're hosting how, Southampton this weekend. We could sit here next week, the three of us, and have a different the sample size will have been doubled and they may have played very well at home to Southampton yeah. so and then maybe it's a little bit different. So I'll move on. We'll, 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 again, we'll look back at, at Sam maybe later on in, uh, or in, in the next few weeks, but we'll look up then again at, at Hull, Nathan, you've touched on something there with with Hull saying they look they look sound, they've reinforced defensively, they've throughout the side. Even Nias is starting. I mean, Nias is one who I saw him play for Everton and he just didn't look like a player at all. Didn't look. Why like did they spend so much money on him? Well, he'd scored goals, hadn't he? He'd scored goals before he'd gone out to Russia, and then he had a decent spell in Russia. And Everton paid fifteen million for him, which in last season's terms or whenever it was, that was big money at the time. Mm. And he he just hadn't impressed I believe he hadn't impressed in training he looked really poor never looked like he was going to get anywhere near that side and all of a sudden he's he's now scoring goals he looks a threat when I've seen him last few games he looks a threat even his goals last week against Liverpool I mean if you saw it like he's miscontrolled he's not got hold of it properly he's, he's hit it into the ground but he looks like a handful and he, he looks as though with Silva what he's done there he's he's bought well he's brought in a Vandro 
because he's had previous spells with them in yeah. Portuguese football and he's going to take a little bit of time to acclimatise to the Premier League it's but he's a real ball player yeah. and the two guys impressed me the most Harry Maguire looks like an absolute mountain mm. at the back I've seen him twice in the last three weeks once on TV in the second leg against Manchester United in the League Cup semi-final yeah. and I saw him live at Stamford Bridge where he was like he, he, a, a Dawson type character alongside him when he needed to be but he seems to have developed this confidence under Silva where he's happy with the ball at his feet he Stepping must have made in. three or four dribbling runs from the edge of his own penalty area into Chelsea territory that was a day where Hull absolutely deserved a point and were kind of robbed in that they were denied a st- what was a stonewall penalty yeah. they were so good in both legs against United is it four home wins in a row now Th- three in the cup competitions yeah, and one in the right. Premier League that's right, like that's yeah. astonishing so we, it's only a month ago we thought before Silva arrived Hull are there's yeah. absolutely zero chance Paul Merson said who's this guy who's, who's this guy Silva you know why didn't they get a, an Englishman like Thierry Henry <laughs> yeah. that's the thing <laughs> an Englishman like Thierry Henry <laughs> <laughs> go for an English coach but in fairness to him, he's come in, and we speak about it. Managers come into come into the Premier League, particularly at the bottom of the league. You always feel not knowing the players, not necessarily knowing what it would be like for, to get these players that have been playing. We've we've seen these players week in week out. But what you're going to do to get the best out of these players? But as you say, he's just got to, he's got them structurally. Structure of the team is so much better than I've seen in a long time with Hull. And in losing some of his best players. Like, he arrives and he's barely got his feet under the table and Livermore's gone. And then a day, two days later, Snodgrass is gone. Yeah. Before you know it, there's talk that Abel Hernandez is going to go yeah. now. Davis is injured as well. Yeah, Hernandez is injured as well. So it's not like he's had an easy yeah. run. Of it, I still think they'll go down. I just think the lack of quality will yeah. probably do for them in but the end. But they have a fighter's chance Oh, they now. do, compared to what... I mean, a month ago, it was curtains. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm probably with you. I think they will go down as well. I think they, they might not just have a, enough... From a goal-scoring perspective, I think even the the Chelsea game that you were at, Dave, I was watching that match myself, and they looked solid. They looked better than I'd seen them. Harry Maguire, I've seen Maguire a lot over the last few years, even when he's at Sheffield United. I've not seen the sort of performances I'm seeing from him in the last month or two. Someone's obviously Silva's given the confidence to take the ball and step in, and given the belief to do that. But but Hull in general, I don't think they're going to score enough goals. And they're in the midst of a really difficult run of fixtures. Well, hang on. Well, we thought they were in the midst of a really difficult run of fixtures. The first two in that run were United away and Liverpool at home. They picked up four points from those two games. And would you back them against them going to the Emirates this weekend and getting something? Oh, they're two great chances in the last five minutes. Well, I'm at the game, actually. I'm at this game Saturday. I'm looking forward to this. I'm just looking forward for for a number of reasons. To see Hull, my old side, seeing how they get on, seeing if they can maintain or continue the form that that they've shown. But Arsenal, I'm looking at Arsenal this weekend, particularly the last home game they played, Watford. Then they get done badly against Chelsea. So I'm looking to this one at the weekend. I'm, I, I think we could potentially have a shock here again this week and potentially, you know, you're laying Arsenal in this one, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Hull can get something out of it, but I think it's easy for Silva to prepare his team for this. Mm. And I know you go away to Easier the big clubs. Than and you... one of the, than the lesser teams you're expected to beat. Well, I think also the way the atmosphere at the Emirates at the moment, you're not saying silence the home crowd. You're saying get that home crowd on the home players' backs because yeah. that's been an issue for Arsenal all season. It takes little or nothing. Yeah. A couple of bad passes, put them under a bit of pressure very early on, get at the midfield too whoever that is, get yeah. them losing the ball, win it back in midfield, and the fans are going to turn on them like that. And that's part of the issue for the Arsenal players is they're not allowed to make mistakes anymore. No matter how small a mistake it is. There's no margin for error. Yeah. The entire crowd are at them. And it's not helpful. You see it. It's The two places you see it more often than not now are Arsenal and Liverpool, where the players are under almost yeah. unrealistic pressure. The support isn't helpful most of the time. And if Hull were to take the lead, I think the atmosphere there would be quite venomous mm, towards yeah. Wenger in particular and towards the players. It's a great game to be at for you, Kevin, Saturday. If that game's nil-nil at half-time, yeah, yeah. that is set up beautifully. I'm with you. I'm, I am. I'm with you. So, so we'll move on to Swansea. Swansea, Nathan and I saw them last week. I saw them beat Liverpool at Anfield the other week. And you're looking at them again this Sunday and yeah. off the ball. Well, they're first hosting off, they're Leicester. poor though, Nathan. Sorry, sorry, Dave. Yeah, yeah, you've got them this weekend. Yeah, but first off, Dave, they were poor last week. They were. I, they, they, they sat off. It wasn't the, the performance had been been seen from them in recent weeks. And it, City, albeit weren't re, weren't great in the final third. They, they they kept the ball so well. Didn't create enough chances. I didn't feel. Should have had a penalty. But. We saw a different side of them second half, didn't we? I was really impressed with them, how, how Clement changed things around at half-time. Yeah, well, you were talking at half-time about maybe Clement had paid too much attention to the first game against City at the Liberty earlier in the season where Swansea pressed right up in them and it was just easy for City to get in behind and pick them apart. And this time, maybe he told his players to sit off 
invite them onto you in the first half and try and get them on the counter-attack. The problem with that was they literally never touched the ball yeah. in the first half. They got into the city half of the pitch, I'd say, five times. Yeah, we mentioned Caballero, didn't you? Caballero yeah, never, never touched the ball. A couple of times passed it out from the back, and simple as that. Whereas what you saw in the second half is what you expect from a team fourth from bottom in the Premier League. The minute they kicked them, yeah. right from the first 30, 40 seconds, they didn't let Yaya Toure control the game. They were at his heels, and Toure was terrible during the second half yeah. because he just can't control the game if he's under pressure now. He's totally isolated if if Silva and De Bruyne start wandering off yeah. and if you can isolate he must have given the ball away well, 10 why, times in that second half that's why he took De Bruyne off in the, in the second half didn't he? he took De Bruyne off and he brought Zabaleta on put mm. Zabaleta to right back and brought Fernandinho in the Alongside just him. to give them that little bit of stability didn't he in the second half I, Swansea have, given, have made some good signings which is it's going to give them a, a chance they brought in the substitute Narsingh who they brought in from PSV Pressman, who man. was lightning quick yeah. and the one thing that Swansea have always had in their six years in the Premier League is they've had a central focal point of a striker who generally at their best scored goals whether it was Michu or Boney or uh, the guy they brought from Lille for free transfer who scored a few goals for about six months uh, Baraka no his name has completely gone out of my head big guy dreadlocks did well uh, scored a couple of headers against Arsenal he had the Lions celebration Gomis and like two lightning quick players playing off him whether it was Sinclair Dyer Routledge Montero when he's still fit whereas this guy looks in that mould he came on he played out in the right wing and he was 100 miles an hour direct wasn't he yeah and he's played Champions League this season he's experienced even though he's he's played a lot of football with PSV and someone like him can make a difference Olsen is solid uh, in the defence Sigurdsson went went more central second half as well mm. didn't he so he was he, he was more involved in the game out on the left hand side he was isolated he just felt as though he was isolated not even that at times he was just backtracking he was constantly back yeah. back with uh, Fernandinho in the first half and though they were really influence. bad in the first half like that midfield three of Fair Cork and Carroll yeah could be a really good midfield three if you get the three of them motivated yeah. playing well like Fair is a really good player but he just seems like he's constantly getting relegated he's constantly playing in bad teams and he seemed to give up at times in the first half so I think they've got they've definitely got the quality if Lorente can keep scoring enough goals yeah. for them yeah that's, that's probably what you need from him as well but yeah I, again I was impressed I think I think they've got a chance again with, with maybe off the back of what we're saying we're probably seeing in a few weeks time now this is probably the biggest talking point over the last month or two how they've been playing overall Leicester City they've gone now to within what is it now of the relegation zone they're, they're a point, point point clear of the relegation zone got themselves in serious trouble now this season I was at the game um, against uh, Derby in the FA Cup this week and I'm watching them and I'm, th- I'm seeing a side that made the changes with a view to this game they've targeted they've gone all out for this game this is this is it's all or nothing really for Ranieri. Even post match, what he was saying, he'd rather take three points and get through to the next round of the cup. That's a given now. So, big stories. What's going on basically? There's a lot of stories coming out in the last week or two mm. as well. Players unhappy with tactics. Even bloody pizzas being taken away and chicken burgers that they were having post match. These things are being taken away, Dave. You'll, and this was Dave's been talked that, about as like a, a something that bordered on genius from Ranieri last season that yeah. he was allowing the players to go and have the pizza and their burger once a now week. Now it's a after human rights issue. Now it's an issue. <laughs> yeah. But it's, and that just Not shows how player driven. That was the same as David Moyes. The exact same stories came out about David yeah. Moyes, didn't it? At Manchester United, took the chips off the menu. Yeah. But that, that, they're the things that's going to come out, and I can guarantee what would have happened there as well. Somebody's, somebody said to the, the guys, whoever it is that bring the food and after the game, he's going, where's, "Where's the chicken burgers? Where's the pizzas?" And like, oh no, the manager stopped them. Wow, come on, what's going on? To someone's kicked it before, someone's heard it, they've mentioned it to someone else, and then that gets out. That's all. It's, it's basically something and nothing, but it becomes an issue when you're not winning the games. And Ranieri looked to relieve man last night when I when I saw him the other night when I saw him, he really did. Yeah, I thought they were quite good last night and that yeah. some of the players who came in were impressive now your man was Alaski in defence every time you see him come on the pitch yeah, yeah. you're worried because he's a terrible footballer he did well but is it what's he called Ben Benalla Benalawan I think is that how you pronounce it Benalawan he did well centre half actually he did quite well but mm. the star of the show was Damari Gray why hasn't he played more like, yeah. he's there over a year now he yeah. came in January transfer window last season he did yeah, yeah he did. and he's Birmingham always January. looks good <coughs> yeah. he always really creative particularly now Surely it's time that some of these guys like Mario Bright gets a chance. Yeah, he's got, because he's the got, guys who he's starting every week clearly aren't doing it. Yeah, he, but he's he's got a way about him, Demari Gray, as well. Where you, you, he's he's maybe someone like that we spoke about earlier on, Townsend, or someone where you might not see enough of him for long spells. Last night it was the first game I'd seen him where whenever he got the ball, he was direct. He was 
he was confident. He wanted to go and commit plays. I've not seen that probably enough from him. On a, I mean, I really, I do. I like. I'm with you, lads. I, I really like him, but I've but not seen him. They're the one team that Swansea enough. would want to face this Sunday, aren't they? At home, at they could home. have handpicked a fixture for fancy, Neil Clement. But now he's going to bring Vardy back. He'll bring Vardy. Morris on the bench. He came off off, off the bench last night. Slamani's available again. He's going to have Morgan. He's going to have Huth back. He's going to have Simpson. He's going to have Fuchs. All these lads are back available again. I'd leave Chilwell in there ahead of Fuchs. Yeah, I like him as well. I like Chilwell. Imagine well. they could go on this cup run. They're into the last 16 of the FA Cup now. They've got a tie against Millwall coming up, so there's a very good chance they're going to be in the sixth round, the quarterfinals. If they could just stay up, the story of adding an FA Cup to a Premier League <laughs> yeah, would just be spectacular. Millwall next up? Millwall next up. They, they don't want that. They don't want that at all. I can tell you that now. But anyway, we'll go quickly. We One question on Leicester before we leave. Yeah. It. Myself and Nathan mentioned earlier outside, there was a story in the Guardian website today about whether relegation would either taint last season's Premier League title or enhance the story that was Leicester winning the Premier League. What? Why do you see it? I think it'd probably enhance the story, wouldn't it? I think it would. It, 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 right, it, you look at it off the back of it, I think the, the club's board would be tainted, would feel... Uh, it would taint it. They did feel as though, look, we've got obviously losing out all this revenue, but it just makes the story all the more re- remarkable. Were that were that team actually? They actually are. Yeah. They're a team that would would only got promoted what two three years ago, whenever it was. Relegation threatened, got themselves out of it by the skin of the teeth two years ago. I think it makes the story all the more remarkable. Uh, I don't. I think it takes away from what they achieved because it, I think it takes away from the Premier League. Clearly, it was a freak what they did. Either way, but I think. There were ways almost of looking back, some ways of looking back in last year and understanding why they won it because so many players played so well. Yeah. I have heard it described as this black swan theory. It sums up Leicester last season. Black swan theory in sport is something that is impossible to predict in advance. And also then when it happens, it's impossible to explain afterwards why it happened. Yeah, it would still be impossible to that. explain. If you put what Leicester did last season in these terms, it's the equivalent of Sunderland winning the Premier League next season. Yeah, now but, look where Sunderland no, are now. Yeah. How bad they are! Of course it the, is. T- the squad they have, yeah. they could, they're in the exact same position. In fact, they're in a better position now than Leicester were in two seasons ago. Well, you, you sign a, you sign a player similar to Kante. You sign a Mahrez who's coming in to make an impact as well. You, if you get a couple of players like that, then yeah, I think Sunderland winning the league. No, I, yeah, if I you were in a situation where this year they're finishing tenth, eleventh, and Kante goes in his player, Chelsea's player of the season could well win the player of the season award. Vardy yeah. gone to Arsenal and done well. Mares goes to Real Madrid. You're looking back and thinking, wow, Ranieri was a genius. He managed to get all these players playing out of their skin and ch- change their entire career. Right now you're looking at it going, something freaky happened that Jamie Vardy hit this bizarre mm. run of form. Although I want to look up as high as Bournemouth. I don't think they're probably in it. I don't. I think they might have, have, have enough with the 26 points they've got. So I've got to mention Middlesbrough. I took Karanka. Made a good few signings through the January transfer window as well. Good business, bad business. We'll, we'll touch on that one. Where do you see them? Because they're in bad form. They're in terrible well, they form. Don't score any goals. Yeah. But they signed Patrick Bamford to score them the goals, who hasn't been a regular goal scorer. He's not been a consistent goal scorer himself. But they've only conceded 27 goals, which when you look at everyone around them is pretty remarkable. Yeah. I've been to Middlesbrough a couple of times this season, and they're so difficult to break through the three in the middle of midfield they never go forward yeah. at all uh, back four really go forward back, as fo- well. back forward they don't have full backs who bomb forward so they're happy to just keep it so so tight pick up points here and there and if if a couple of the strikers score as we've seen Negredo went on a bit of a run they end up winning yeah. three four games all they probably need to win is four more games all season which they're definitely going to do when you're not conceding more than one goal in the vast majority of matches I think we're looking at a 36 to 38 of this season maybe 36 to 40 point of this season particularly it's hard how, to see any of those teams getting to that mark well particularly how it's, how it's tightened up well I, you could see some of them realistically winning, winning five games couldn't you getting another 15 points to getting on to 34 I, I can't I, I, Sun, Sunderland win five of their next 13 games or 14 games I can't see that well I don't know I, that's I, a I, large number now, throwing a few draws, fair enough. Win three of them, and if they picked up five or six draws, but mm. so we're really, splitting hairs really here. You're only getting to 34 points. 34? I, I think we're looking, at, either we're looking at 36 to 40 points this season. I do. I think that'll be the uh, bottom three. I do. Who are that. your bottom three, so? Bottom three. Uh, uh, in my head, one thing, I think Sunderland might go down. I just, I just can't see them. I, can't, I think this might be the year that they eventually do fall. And well, do you know what? Look at it now. I think it's the bottom three as it is. I think Sunderland, Palace and Hull go down. 
Yeah. I do. So do I. I'm going to put Leicester in there. I just think they're struggling so badly and I don't see who the player in that team is that's going to drag them from the mire that they're currently in. Window shut now. Well, they're they're too good to go down. That is not something I'm going to ascribe to Leicester City. Well, we had Trevor Sinclair on this week and we saw his squad with West Ham that went down. Couldn't believe some of the names that was in that squad. So there's no one that's too good to go down. I think they'll be in the bottom three by the end of the weekend. I do. I think Hull are going to take something. Uh, what's the goal difference? Leicester minus 17, Hull minus 25. Okay, they're, they, they won't go below Hull unless Hull win at Arsenal. But I can certainly see Swansea beating them this weekend. And suddenly Swansea are three points ahead of them. Mm. I think they're going to struggle. But um, yeah, my bottom three at the moment would be Sunderland, Palace and Leicester. Right then, all right. So we'll, we'll start then. We'll start uh, on, on, the, on the top side. Maybe look back at last weekend's performance. We always have a little look back, I suppose. Um, biggest, big game of the weekend was the Chelsea-Arsenal game. We'll talk about Arsenal in a sec. Arsenal frustrating again. But Chelsea, it looks like it's cigars out time cruising to the league title, doesn't it? Look at their next six games. They do have a game against Wolves in the Cup, but their next Premier six Premier League games, Burnley, that's live and off the ball this Sunday, myself and you, Kevin, at Turf Moor, Swansea, West Ham, Watford, Stoke and Palace. Yeah. They're going to take... 14 or 15 points out of I those 18 I think this one at the weekend points. will be trickier again than you think. That's probably they get the a toughest point this week, on the I, list. I think a point will be decent for yeah, Chelsea this but I weekend. Think they'll take 14 of the 18, won't they? Yeah. So at worst, they're going to be six points clear going into the last eight games of the season. It's, Conte is insisting that it's not over yet. Look, it's not because there are still enough points to be played for that things could start going wrong, but it looks so unlikely. Yeah. Yeah, looking at those fixtures, it's hard to see how they don't have a commanding lead going into those last eight games unless something bizarre happens, yeah. which can always happen. Can. Costa gets injured. Yeah. They go and lose and somebody gets sent off against Burnley. That's what you're sort of relying on now, though, because there's nothing going on what we've seen this season or certainly in the last 18 games. There's nothing that we've seen that suggests that Chelsea are going to stop on this relentless pace. I guess a six-point deficit is manageable. Like the, it's it's two games, yeah, and one Chelsea defeat coupled with a Tottenham victory, the gap yeah. is six. That's but, manageable, but but you're also looking at the other teams playing each other. Like this weekend yeah. again, Liverpool playing Tottenham. One of them is going to take points from the other, so that gives them an opportunity to extend their lead. And there's a lot of big games involving the other sides coming up during that run that Chelsea have. I just think in midfield they're so powerful, even when in the last couple of games against Arsenal and Liverpool Hazard and Costa haven't been at their very very best they weren't the two players who totally dominated the yeah. game I just thought midfield they crushed yeah, Liverpool yeah. and they crushed uh, Arsenal and defensively they're not making any mistakes I thought Costa was great again last week and I, I, he, had a, he had a say in all three goals mm. uh, last week against Liverpool you said they probably overall wasn't at his best yet created the first goal Created the, well, he kind of created the second one. He took a hell of a clatter from uh, Koscielny for for um, Hazard's goal, and then he goes and closes closes down Petrček for the third goal. So, it's what he gives you at times that people maybe don't recognise with Costa as well. That's why I like him so much. That's why, of course, his goal scoring is outstanding, and he is a hell of a player. But it gives you so much more than just being that striker that's going to get you the goals. He's so much more to his game, and it's him that, and Kante, isn't it? Yeah, Kante for me is the type of player that could literally play tomorrow in any team in any top division across Europe and it wouldn't matter who the manager was and it wouldn't matter what system they were playing that he could just yeah. play I think He'll it matters what system the they're playing play. because he didn't start the season well because of the system that uh, Conte had him playing in when they were playing with Matic uh, with him almost in front of Matic and he was playing Matic as the deep lying midfielder yeah. and Conte uh, was almost three, asked yeah. as a uh, no, in that position, box, if he's in, in that, that position, position it doesn't matter around. what system is around him, whether they're yeah. playing four at the back, whether they're playing wide um, he plays wing backs. Be- you know why he plays better in a four, I think? Because if he play, he could play, in a, like last season, 4 4 2 for Leicester. He could, I think he could play in a 4 4 2 for, for Chelsea as it is. I know they've gone with a three because it probably suits them with bringing David Louise back in. Because when he's told to go and say, be that box to box, go and get forward, go and be creative, or go and do some damage. I think his natural game is to play from behind the ball, to come and step in, mm. sense all mm. the sense all the danger. When he's playing in advance of the ball, it doesn't suit him. Well, you're that- taking away from his strengths. All his strengths are behind the ball. Yeah. Because he senses danger. He seems to have this sniff for danger that very few players outside of fullbacks or central defenders seem to have. Yeah. And, and that's why he gets his toe to everything. It's not because he's 
tall with these long rangy legs that's not the case as we know it's not because he is um, it's, it's all down to the fact that he's able to read the game better than probably most people in his position in I, th- I think it's the legs Dave it's not necessarily no his how, legs how get him there but it. how does he how but, does someone that small get his toe to everything yeah but you know a lot of teams went away from playing a four man midfield because of the way that particularly Champions League level and when the team started to get better and better playing four man midfield because they were getting outnumbered they didn't have the legs to get to play against teams that were playing with with a 10 or what, 4 2 3 one, whatever it is so all of a sudden then they adapted the game and they just basically tried to match them up to try to go up against them Kante plays better because he he can cover two men he can do the job of, of his engine of, is unbelievable en, the engine is exactly the engine's great it's something we've had when we when we spoke to Brian Kerr about it at times. Oh, and Brian used to pick sides. He'd, he'd pick sides if he was going to go with a two or a three. It, it it would be dictated to with the personnel and what sort of energy levels and how quick they can get round the pitch. That's why Canty enhances a side when you can play with a four. Yeah, well, he also when you think of what John Giles goes on about a lot criticizing somebody like Carrick or Henderson of midfielders need to be able to do more than one thing. Yeah, yeah, like that's him. Yeah, he can play those short little five yard balls that give it to the more creative players that start off the attacks. He can pick it up off the center half but he can also get around and put a tackle in he yeah. can also as Dave says be every inch of the field no matter where the danger is coming from he's there whereas yeah. you don't get that from a Henderson or Carrick they don't yeah. they're that's not their, that's just not their game uh, I think you're right like that game against Liverpool that Kante played was up there with the performances of that's, the season it was amazing yeah. every time as Liverpool were coming at them in the closing stages he would just appear out of nowhere yeah yeah it must be so annoying to play against. Yeah, I could imagine him being that way. Definitely. So Liverpool of Tottenham on Sunday on Saturday. <coughs> Kev, I have a couple game, of questions. I was thinking about it earlier, knowing you were coming in. Um, Dietmar Hamann wrote a piece at the weekend where he questioned the wisdom of giving Klopp a six-year contract. Yeah, and I just wonder if more players, ex-Liverpool players, start coming out and questioning the manager. I, the question is, should there be more pressure on Klopp than there is? They have one win in ten. Yeah. And that was in, against Plymouth in the FA Cup for their next six games Tottenham Arsenal Manchester City and Everton now granted three of those four games are at home but yeah. the form that they're playing right now we just take the body of Evans as it stands right now they could well be in a worse position before they be- get themselves further up the table yeah. yet no one ever questions whether Jurgen Klopp is under pressure why is that? Is because he's, he's so uh, short a time in the job? Possibly I- I'll, resources. I'll, I'll, Look I'll, at the resources. He has. I will. I will say one compared thing, to though. everyone else around him. I'll, 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 I'll chat about the should Klopp be under more pressure in a sec. But the re, in answer, to, you answered the first question you asked me was should more Liverpool or more ex Liverpool players come out and be more critical? The reason why they're not more critical because we've all seen it probably ourselves. If 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 you say one word about Liverpool, you get slaughtered on social media. So there's a lot of, a lot of ex Liverpool players that are still involved with the club on some level. And nobody will ever come out mm. because of their involvement with the club and say anything seriously. To, that it's not even harming the club. You're just basically giving an opinion. I, I feel as though the, 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 their opinion of an ex-Liverpool player might become a little bit milked down, a bit milky, a bit watery. Should I say that's maybe a better one? Just because of of the of the relationship with that club. You're actually just so they're state, all ambassadors. They're yeah, all um, involved in. The, they're on the director's box. Yeah, they're all living in the area. Yeah. Exactly. That's Whereas exactly Hamman maybe doesn't have that issue. He doesn't, and, and he's just he's just giving his his personal opinion, isn't he? That's what mm. he's doing within it. It's, uh, it's stark that if they were to be beaten by Tottenham on, in the evening game on Saturday, which clearly is not beyond the realms of possibility, and Everton go to a really struggling Middlesbrough team, there's three points between them. Yeah, that's it. And Liverpool are sixth. I can't say be too disappointed mm. if Everton overtook Liverpool, but that's, <laughs> that's for another day. Um, but I think he's he's a victim of his own success. He's a victim of the raised expectations that <laughs> Liverpool fans lost the run of themselves completely by the end of November, middle of December, that they could go and win the title. Whereas Liverpool should be finishing fourth at best. That's Liverpool's position. Fourth or fifth. Anything else is massively overachieving. If they qualify for the Champions League, that's as much as you can expect from Klopp. When you compare to what Chelsea, City, United, Arsenal have done over the last few years. He doesn't have any depth in the squad at all. Yeah. He's made a couple of bad decisions. He has to sort the goalkeeper situation out. I still think if everyone's fit, defensively, they're okay. They just seem to do something stupid every second. As as I a system, I think they, they do something mistakes. stupid individually. But I, I was one with you, though, at the start of the season. I, I thought they've got a good chance here. Just watching how they played, the, the constant alarm bell was always ringing in my head. I was down at Palace early on this season when they were just sensational. 
yet they conceded two goals, two crap goals. I think it was James MacArthur scored two on the day. Just balls lobbed into the area, and you're thinking, how has that happened? Considering your dominance, Liverpool should have won 10-0 in that game, yet they ended up coming away. It was 4-2. It was dominant enough when you're away from home, and, you, and you're still thinking in the back of your head, this is going to come back to haunt them. Defensively, something will come back. The goalkeeping situation will come back to haunt them. And it ultimately it probably has. Cause but I do the- remember, when you were, I remember you in around November talking up Liverpool's title chances, but you did qualify by war- expressing your concern about the depth in the squad. Yeah. That you were saying, look, this could be, they could do it. Look how well these players are playing. Lalana, um, Firmino was amongst the goals, yeah. and they've dried up for him since. Um, Mane was one of the players of the season at the time. Matip was starting to settle in. Yeah. James Milner was certainly the greatest left-back in the Premier League. They'd switched their goalkeeper and Mignolet was keeping clean sheets. But at the same time, you said, if such and such gets injured, there's nobody coming behind. And that's happened. They lost Coutinho to injury. They lost Mamani to the African Cup of Nations. And they lost Matip to that injury first and then that ridiculous yeah. eligibility situation. And look where they are. One win in ten. And it's seriously tough run of games to come. Yeah, you say the Tottenham game. We can maybe just move on to Tottenham within within that, I suppose. But I, I just don't see them being as structurally sound as, as, as Spurs. Spurs look so, so good going forward. And I, I just think Liverpool will ultimately... I think they'll lose this weekend. Really? I can't see them I can't see them beating Tottenham. I don't. I'm not, but the only thing that's going in the favour, the record against the top six is so good. So, if, if they drop I think Liverpool points, have a great chance. If Danny Rose points, being injured takes a huge chunk out of what Spurs do. He's everything down that wing. The two wing backs are crucial yeah. for Tottenham. He's comfortably the best left back in the league, and not having him in the side, I think, changes the way Dembele plays, changes the way Deli Ali plays. And maybe I'm overestimating, but you get Mane in and around a weakened Spurs defence. You get Lalana in there. They've had a bit of a break now. A fresh Liverpool. I don't see them losing it. Do you not? I I, I do actually. I do. I just think that Tottenham the way that they've been going about things in the last few weeks and how solid they've looked, how, again, I talk about the structure of the side, creativity-wise point of view. Last week at West Ham, I thought it was more of a dogged display. They had to go and just dig in a little bit and make sure that they got the three points done and dusted move forward. That's what they did, job done. Do you know what? I I don't think that that Liverpool will score two goals in this game. So I think Liverpool, if they're going to win this game, I think they've got to get two goals and I can't see that happening. So that's why I think Tottenham Tottenham will take something from this match, yeah. Okay, then we'll finish off then um, with Arsenal. A lot's been said again this week, particularly after the week that they had last week, Watford and then the the Chelsea defeat, which I felt was, was totally inept. I suppose it comes back to the original point. What does Arsene Wenger have to do to be sacked? It, it, as blunt as that sounds, but that's ultimately the way that it is, isn't it? How bad does it have to get? If they lose, never going to be sacked. If they lose 6-1 yeah. over two legs against Bayern... They've done all this before. They've had these humiliating European exits and it hasn't made any difference. Wenger will go at a time of his choosing. Everything suggests he's going to sign a new contract. He (laughs) plays this waiting game. and They're a very difficult club to analyse because sometimes you go and watch them and the football they play is scintillating. Sanchez, his buys have generally been good. It's hard to think of a Wenger buy over the last few years who's been an absolute disaster. Most of them are very good or fine. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is he just hasn't bought. So he spent when he spends the money, he gets it right. He spent it in Sanchez, it's worked. He spent it in Ozil, it's worked. He's got often he spent five million on El Neni in the middle of midfield, who never overly convinces. Uh, I don't mind him actually. I don't mind him. I just look at the amount that he's paid for Xhaka, it, and that's mm. huge money for him. And it's unfair to judge him now, though, is it? Do we not have to give him a season? I think Xhaka. Any time I've seen him, aside from the stupidity, when he's actually on the ball. So if all these signings are acceptable, I don't see the problem is. What is the problem then? Do you know what part of the problem is? It's the young players who he's constantly waiting for who've never achieved the level he would want. And some of the stats about them are just ridiculous, about the lack of football. So about two years ago, he came out and he said, Kieran Gibbs is easily the best, play, best left back in English football. I think he started about five games in the past two seasons. Aaron Ramsey is constantly injured. Theo Walcott... Getting to double figures is a rarity for him because of the injuries he's had. Yeah. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has played a full 90 minutes less than 25 times in the Premier League. Now he's only 23, yeah. but he's been around for five years at this stage. Jack Wilshere have had to move Jack on. Jack Wilshere have had to move on. All these young players who you would sort of think 
you can base your team around and we've had Kenny Cunningham at games over the last few weeks saying oh I will be this is the guy you yeah. build your team around for the next few years like, he's just the latest guy you say you build your team mm. around for the next few years yeah that would be in my head when, when I hear that said so I understand Kenny, Kenny's seen him play a little bit in the, in the youth level as well he, he looks a hell of a player his he talent physically looks great but yeah but he needs to become one of the best players in the Premier League if yeah. you're to build your team around him. Totally. Yeah, totally, spent yeah. big money in Chambers. He's up on loan yeah. at Middlesbrough at the moment. Jenkinson yeah. was going to be the next Loads right back. Loads of these guys. He's, where, is Jenkinson still at West Ham? No, no he's, he's back at Arsenal. Arsenal. They couldn't get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> so they literally yeah. couldn't get rid of him. It's a long list. It is a long list. And that should be, like, if you think of all those players get near to the potential yeah. that he thought they would have, that's and, six, seven. And the one thing I would say off the back of it, Alexis Sanchez, you mentioned the great buy. He has been great. Look at him, his body language over the last month. His body language has gone to, mm. gone, gone to pieces. It's very similar to Aguero, uh, yes. his body language. Aguero, doing this thing of getting himself in little fights to show, to kind of try and hide that he's pissed off. You know, if I get in a fight, the fans will think I still care. Mm, yeah. They could be sixth by the end of the weekend if results went against them. Yeah. Again, true. I go back to my question. How bad does it have to get? Well, that's the point. That is the point. But... Uh, I'm still. Nathan's probably hit the nail on the head that Arsenal, even if they finish mid-table this season, they still probably wouldn't sack him, would they? It'd be almost Wenger. Well, they wouldn't. Doing, they wouldn't sack him, but he yeah, would go. Forced to go. Does he yeah. go though? If say if they finish outside the Champions League, is that how he wants to finish up? But we said that last year. Last year, all of a sudden, was it the season? Three seasons ago, they finished fourth. Season before last, they finished third. Last season, they finished second. Oh, this is our progression. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick, no, we've been saying it, it doesn't matter. Tottenham blew it last year. Let's be quite honest about that. That's the only reason why they finished second last year. So, They've 14 games left. Let's wait till they get to 30 games, see where they are, because they could easily go on a run, a yeah, typical Arsenal yeah. run of five wins in a row. Can you see that 12-point gap, though, being over? I, I, well, the title but I, I, I can't see them winning the title, but I wouldn't be surprised if they finished second. No, I wouldn't be surprised at that. I wouldn't. I could. I, I, we've seen it at this stage of the season. Also, go and win five, six yeah. in the bounce. Well, cable would go ten. It. Two seasons ago, that they got ten games unbeaten towards the end of the mm, season. Yeah, it could easily happen because there's so, that much quality in the squad. But they could be pulverized by yeah. Bayern Munich over the next uh, three yeah, weeks. That, that's the point. I mean, the, the, there's issues at Bayern Munich that we're, that we're hearing about this week, aren't there? There's a lot of internal fighting, a, a split in the dressing room. That this seems to be happening. Um, but I, I don't I think Arsenal are the team to take advantage. No, of No, exactly. I don't think it's you can be if you're going to pick one side that you're going to play against when you've got in, internal troubles. You're going to pick Arsenal aren't you, if you buy Munich. Aren't Here, it? just on that point, I was making about those young, yeah. mostly English players who haven't developed. Do you lay that at the door, Wenger? Is he the reason, or is that just pure misfortune? Yeah, that they picked up so many injuries. What's your man called? Periodization fella? What's his name? Raymond Verheyen. Yeah, you, you've got a lot of time for him. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he talks about it constantly. I don't know. I don't necessarily buy into that myself, to be honest with you. But um, it, does it, does it, is it just luck that the players, or bad luck that the players haven't been able to stay fit for, for a long time? But even spell? when they are fit, is he, has he been too soft on them? Well, yeah, I mean, he allows them to. His his mindset. And we've said it with Wenger before. His mindset is let them express themselves. Let them let them play their own game. Yeah, let I'd love develop. to see where Bellerin is going to be in four years. Let, yeah, like Bellerin sh- should be the best right back in Europe in four years. Yeah, if he's still at Arsenal, might not even be the best right back at Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be another one like Kieran Gibbs who yeah. kind of moves over. And Don't they need guidance? Don't they need tactical yeah. well, guidance? That was, that was, a 21-year-old or a 19-year-old being told to just go and express yourself. That maybe that's worrying for a nineteen-year-old, uh, I, I twenty-year-old. Totally agree. Players. Whereas Alexis Sanchez need, probably loves being told that. Yeah, need, uh, being told to go out and express yourself. Yeah, play your but own like game. if you're nineteen, well, Oxley Chamberlain is a perfect example against Chelsea last weekend, playing in the middle of midfield. I, I would have thought what you'd be saying to Oxley Chamberlain is, so you've waited for this moment. I've been playing you out in the wing, but I know you want to play in the middle of midfield. This is as big a test as you're going to face. Put him under pressure. You need, we need to see a different side of you. I want to be able to see that you can control the midfield, that you can put your foot in there, that you can do what Kante does, that you can get around, you can do the stuff that's not particularly glamorous. I don't want to see you bombing forward in 100 metres in under 11 seconds three times a game, which is what he did. But you almost got sense that he was just told, go out and do it. You do, yeah. Don't know what it is, but go out and do it. No, I, I, I'm with you, totally with you. And when we had Stuart, uh, Stuart Robson off the ball the other week, he was saying the same thing. He tactically isn't his strong point, Wenger. Maybe perhaps when he's spoken to players over the last few years, when he's uh, spoken to ex-players, he t- they all talk about how Wenger changed the diet, how he changed the lifestyle around, how he talked about his man management skills. 
that is his biggest strength as a man manager. But is he tactically up there with the with the managers of today? I would say no. I don't and think people he is. talk about the teams that he coached that did perform so well. But if you think of the great Arsenal side, was it was just a simple four four one one. Everybody knew what their job was yeah. because they were all experienced, world-class operators. Petit and Vieira didn't need to be told where they needed to be in midfield. They just knew. Burkamp was a 10, and Henri or Wright, they were the centre-forwards, and the back four was as he found it when he arrived, as was his goalkeeper. There actually probably was no tactical analysis or tactical guidance required. But yeah. when he has to build his next team, well, that's where the issues came in, didn't it? Because they haven't won the league since that back four disappeared yeah. since Vieira left since Henri left since all those boys retired and he's had to when he's had to rebuild the side and try and lay down a system and lay down tactics that's the reason they haven't actually got to Falling a European short. final and they haven't uh, come close to winning the Premier League it is oh, I don't think there's any there's any th- anything else to be said on, on that we know full well how it's gone you see these telltale signs coming, coming um, again with Arsenal personnel are not going to change he's not going to change his, his ways awesome Wenger he's going to continue to allow the players to go out and express themselves be yourself be the individual and that is why Arsenal won't win the league again this year that's why there's a big chance this year again that they won't finish in the top four they may do but that, but it's it, it could be the it could be the season so two games this Sunday you're a turf more what, what, what do, I, do I expect? Uh, it's my uh, maiden voyage, maiden visit to Turf Moor. Well, the red carpet will be rolled out, I'm sure, Dave. Have <laughs> you ever been to Turf Moor? Uh, it'd be a good atmosphere. That's what you definitely will get this weekend, regardless of And they'll give the Chelsea a game. Yeah, and, and there's get, plenty of Irish Chelsea. interest. Although Jeff Hendricks suspended, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. So we won't get Probably to see Brady him. get a debut. Brady get a debut because of that, I would imagine. Yeah. I, I think he'll probably move Scott Arfield from the left-hand side where he played last week into the centre. And Robbie Brady out on the left-hand side, so you'll have uh, Stephen Ward and Robbie Brady down the left for, for Burnley next week. So that's so. half one, and you've got... Uh, it could be an absolute Relegation six-pointer. It is, yeah. though. Swansea Leicester's arguably, you could make... The Liberty will be You hopping. cannot wait it to get over to Swansea this weekend. I after after, yeah. after Liverpool-Tottenham, it's the biggest game of the yeah. weekend. Uh, yeah, and I, I sort of go along with you, Dave. I think this is a nightmare game for Leicester because <sighs> Swansea are going to be at it. Uh, and do Leicester have any fights? You probably need to say that in a Welsh accent, though. Well, it's a shame like that Harry Robson can't can listen to <laughs> I found after the first 10 trips to Wales that putting on the Welsh accent, it uh, you know, didn't really curry favour with the locals that I, <laughs> I thought it would. Right, go on, lads. I think we better wrap that up here. Uh, lads, thanks very much. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you again. I really enjoyed that. And uh, all the best. Good luck. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you Shots, like. What a stop! Chance for Ben! Oh! Jordan Ben! Yes! Jordan Ben! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been, we're, be, we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's, he's, say something. We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up, when we finally turn it over, make a beeline towards the boulder, have a drink, you've had enough, fire it up, fire it up.